Welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. It's Raf here on a solo review of John Wick 4. We had a chance to see it on its premiere night this weekend. And Jared and I, my co-host, went over to our friend Vish's place, who was gracious enough to host us after seeing the film with us. And we recorded a long podcast talking about just the three films in general, our impression of the fourth one. We had a blast, but it's taken me a bit to edit that episode so i thought i'd pop in here with a quick review and a quick overview of the film and what we thought of it in general and you're more than welcome to check out the second part when it releases hopefully just a little bit later this week john wick 4 is of course the fourth installment the final in this series revolving around an assassin who seeking revenge for the ruin of his grief finds himself trapped back into the underground assassin world that he had fought very hard to escape once before, and now being trapped in it again, is fighting his way back out. That theme is brought very much to the top of chapter 4, as it opens with a monologue by Lawrence Fishburne's character, which is actually taken from... Dante's Inferno. It's the abandon all hope ye who enter here. You may recognize that line as being the inscription on the gates of hell. John Wick has to find a new solution and ends up facing off with an arch nemesis in this film, the Marquis of the High Table, who is working to try to eliminate all sense of rebellion in the criminal underworld that John Wick would have inspired. So there's very much this religious kind of fallen angel trying to climb his way back up underlying theme to this film, and much the same way the central character in Dante's Inferno is doing it for love, John is also doing it for the love, the memory of his wife in the film. Uh, the concierge character, who we've seen in the previous movies, a fan favorite of many, played by Lance Reddick. May he rest in peace. He passed away, unfortunately, a couple days even before the film was released. That character's name was Charon, as it's pronounced in the film. I've always thought it was Charon, actually, C-H-A-R-O-N who is the name in Greek mythology ascribed to the ferryman who takes you down the river Styx, the ferryman that you pay with the coins that they put on your eyes after death. He's also the name of the ferryman who is who once again shows up in Dante's Inferno. And there even is a scene where the characters near the end are sitting in a boat as they go on towards the final scenes, much like they're being ferried down the river Styx. However, it's while they're discussing what they would like put on their gravestones that the theme of friendship also arises, one which I had thought of, but it was confirmed to me here. In my own estimation, I think the, while the first film was very much a meditation on grief, the second film to be kind of a more medit a meditation on promises on deals and on honoring your debts the third film is more so about loyalty we constantly see the characters demonstrating their loyalty to one group or cause or person or another and that third theme kind of crystallizes in this fourth one this one 
is very much about friendship. Throughout the film, John is meeting his old friends and seeing them put a lot on the line to help him out. That very much begins when we get to Osaka and we watch Hiroyuki Sanada's character, who is a fantastic Japanese actor, very famed for playing lots of samurai, for instance, and he does excellently in this role as well. An old friend of John's who is willing to put his own standing with the high table on the line and is willing to put the lives of his men and even his daughter. As he puts it, it's not really friendship if you're only helping when it's easy. Uh, something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Meanwhile, it's juxtaposed with one of John's other friends uh, named Cain, also a biblical reference to a man who kills his brother Abel as one of the first murders, but also a reference to the fact that Cain carries a cane. He is a blind man. He is played by Donnie Yen, who is a fantastic kung fu actor and does excellently in this role as well. Someone who chooses to not sacrifice their daughters and instead goes after John on behalf of the high table. Now, of course, when I say the high table here, I mean John's arch nemesis for the film, the Marquis, who's played by Bill Skarsgård. And uh, before I leave that religious theme, I do want to mention real quick, there is, in the set design, which is always immaculate in these John Wick films, it's taken to a new beautiful turn here. We get a lot of churches, we get a lot of candles, uh, religious imagery. Not to mention the fact that the film is also very beautifully lit and colored. Um, there's a great contrast, as Jared points out in the upcoming show, of cool colors and warm colors coming together in each shot. And I suppose if I was to point out a couple of other influences, there are, it has always been a touch of physical comedy to the way that John Wick is pulled together. Whether it's when somebody's hit by a car or falls off a building, whether it is in the utterance of, for instance, when a Russian gangster is first hearing that his son crossed John Wick and goes, oh. In this film, we also get a touch of that same Western vibe that we had in the first couple. It was alluded to in the third film in a scene where, for instance, John Wick is assembling an antique revolver. In this film, there is a touch of acoustic guitar in the soundtrack brought together by, once again, by Tyler Bates, who does an amazing, phenomenal job putting together that soundtrack. I always love that little boom, 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 little chime that reminds you who John Wick is and that emotional core that's driving this crazy action. The film also alludes to the previous films that John Wick does. You actually see quite a few turns, um, kind of repeats in sometimes the action that's in the scenes, sometimes it's in something somebody says, or in the way that, that uh, a specific shot is pulled off, where it's almost like a repeat of something you might have seen in the previous films, but taken to a new height. It's almost like this romantic homage to the previous films and an escalation of them at the same time. An escalation is something the John Wick films have always done very well, taking the action to new levels 
and also keeping the pace up, making you feel the way that John does, the adrenaline, the just when sometimes the action scenes are even getting maybe a little bit repetitive, a new element is introduced into them, whether it's a pair of nunchucks, or whether it is a new setting, or some kind of new challenge for John to surmount as he fights his way through it. Keanu Reeves' performance as John Wick in what feels sadly as though it will be the final installment, I doubt we're going to see a fifth here, is once again very heartfelt. Keanu's style of not over-emoting, but rather just letting the emotion naturally play on his face, really makes you feel for the character. While also the fact that John Wick speaks very little, he's a man of few words, of course his famous catchphrase is, yeah, which is a nice break from the other kinds of characters that we often get in Hollywood now who feel like they have to fill every second with noise. All in all, the John Wick films have pushed action and the action genre in general to new heights. It shows you what a movie can deliver when it really loves its own craft. And the John Wick movies like you. It's something that you feel you can continuously come back to and be entertained. The set pieces are thrilling to watch. The action scenes are beautifully choreographed without being, you know, over the top and almost circus-like like we get from Marvel scenes. There's no CGI buildings crumbling. And in fact, when the action is delivered to you, it is in wide shots and continuous takes. And I mean, you see that a strike, for instance, is initiated, it connects, and the impact is felt all within one shot. It's not a five cuts for one action thing like a Taken movie with Liam Neeson. Aside from that, the style of the movie is insatiably cool. And I don't just mean the action, I just the way that the character costume designs are, for instance. People love the way that these underground criminal telephone operators who look like they're out of the 50s, but have piercings and sleeve tattoos, give a little touch of punk to the situation. Even in the first film, when we're first greeted by this criminal underworld and it's Ian McShane in an ascot telling you that you don't want to get back into this world, John, I was very happy with the film, as were my colleagues Jared and Vish, who will be appearing in our following podcast, so stay tuned for that episode. It's coming at ya at the forest creek you can find us on instagram and spotify primarily and on youtube.com slash at the real forest creek our website's coming very soon www.theforestcreekweb.com and you're always more than welcome to reach out to us at theforestcreek at gmail.com if you want to tell us what you thought about this movie or about the other john wick movies or about any movies or on anything that we talk about here on the podcast or that we should talk about. We're always glad to connect with you. Please give us likes, follows, shares, subscribe, hit the little bell. It really helps us, and it means a lot. For now, I'm Raf, and will you see a part two to this? Will there be more Forest Creek podcast movie reviews? Will there be more videos and articles and interesting stuff that I've used to promise and continue to promise coming up? Yeah.